Welcome to The Hack, the straight-talking smart tech podcast where we discuss the ever-changing world we live in today. It's time to start thinking differently. So tune in and buckle up for some home truths as Hull and East Yorkshire's very own digital tech experts talk transformation and change, focusing on people, process and technology. Well, we're back, fellas, aren't we? we? Certainly are. And we have got an absolutely incredible guest. I can't, can't thank you, Dan, Dan Cockrell, from the bottom of the heart that we've made this happen. Tuning in, whereabouts in the world are you? I'm in a place called Ila Bella, the beautiful island. It's just north of Sao Paulo, Brazil. And we met this morning with the Secretary of Tourism and the mayor to potentially do some work next year here to help them with their tourism and their master planning. Incredible, incredible. And Dan, a lot of our listeners might not know who you are, but they, they might do. I always ask this sort of first opening question, just to give a bit of background. If we was all sat around a dinner table right now, having something to eat, and I and leaned over and I said, Dan, what is it that you actually do? Or what have you done? How would you explain that question to someone? Yeah, I would say I spent most of my adult life working for Disney right out of university. I went to Walt Disney World and interviewed. And I was a political science major, so the only job they'd give me is parking cars in the parking lot at Epcot. And that was my first full-time job with the company. And in jobs, and 26 years later, I was running the Magic Kingdom, 12,000 employees and 20, over 20 million guests a year, and just had an incredible ride in between. Worked in France for five years, opened Disneyland Paris, and then spent 21 years in Florida. And then in 2018, my wife and I decided our kids are out of the house now. Let's go. And so I resigned from Disney, which was one of the scariest things I've ever done. And we started our own consulting company. And we've spent the past four years learning how to be entrepreneurs. And we're still learning every single day. It's exciting. It's a ton of work. But boy, having the freedom and simplicity in our lives now is really one of the goals we had. And we're just having a ball. I love it. So... I've had delivered gents this week. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. What, what, what a guess. Yeah. And Dan, quick, before, before we go, getting to our questions, it'd be rude not because the session you did with us over in Manchester absolutely blew my mind. I came back in here. How excited was I, Dean? He hadn't stopped talking about it. You know, I, I think Every I've got, day. I think I've Every got day. a man and a girl crush with your lovely wife. I would say Valerie was better, Dan, if, if I wanted to. But, um, <laughs> I would strongly agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but Dean, you wanted to ask him something? Yeah. yeah, so I mean, yeah, we've been excited for this. So thanks for joining. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, primarily this is for our listeners, but I'm going to take notes myself. Now, Leon mentioned how you brought magic into Disney. Now, for our listeners, could you give us some examples of how our listeners could bring magic into their businesses? Sure. It's what Valerie, and you mentioned Valerie, she worked for the company for 16 years. And so she and I really are partnering now how to deliver this. And we quote each other. And one of the things she, she talks about is all the things that we share when we're talking to businesses or organizations is this is all very simple concepts, just very hard to execute upon. I've found in, in my life, if you get the basics right, everything else works out. But everyone's looking for a shortcut. That's why you see these advertisements for lose three kilos in two weeks. Let's, oh, let me buy that pill. It doesn't work because all the really things in life that you need to do with quality take time, they take focus, and they take consistency. So what I would tell you is the first thing you need to do is put yourself in your customer's shoes. And when I say that, literally call your business and see what the voicemail is. 
see how many times the phone rings. Go to your own website and click on all the links and see if everything works. Just see what the experience is like from your customer's point of view. And if you constantly do that, and in addition, you constantly talk to your employees about how they, you can help them bring the right processes and to the business. Basically, everything you need to know about what your customers want, your employees and your customers know. You just have to remember to ask. And we just, we forget to ask. We get so caught up in running the business, we forget to put ourselves in their shoes. And the one other thing I'd mention, no one has a monopoly on anything. Disney doesn't have a monopoly on vacation destinations. IT companies don't have monopoly on their products or services. People have choices. And so you got to get the basics right. The base expectations have to be able, that's the price of entry. And then you have to figure out what is it it's going to differentiate your business. Why are people going to remember you? Why are they going to come back to you? What are, do they, are you giving them a story to tell about why they're going to stay engaged with you? And a lot of times it's funny. It has nothing to do with your business. It has everything to do about how you make them feel, about the respect you give them, about the flexibility you have. And that's a differentiator. I'll give you a quick example. We had the elections just happened in Brazil a few days ago. And we were a little bit nervous because we didn't know if there's going to be some sort of military coup afterwards or everything was going to be okay. I do have a bucket list item. I always wanted to be in a country when the coup happened. Luckily, we didn't get that happen this time. But anyway, I was speaking at an event and we did the workshop and I was supposed to speak uh, to the group and do a keynote speech tomorrow. And that got canceled because there's been some chaos here and trucks are blocking the highways and there's been some disruption in the economy. So... The, the organization that hired us said, look, can you, can you speak on Saturday remotely and online? I said, of course I can. Let me know where. And then they called back and they said, look, we don't want to. We'd rather wait until March when you're back in Brazil to have you do a live keynote. And so I was looking. That was an opportunity for me to say, OK, how am I going to differentiate myself in this situation? So I went back to them. I said, look, I'll do both. You, you pay me any more money. I'll speak online on Saturday and I'll be back in March and I'll do my keynote speech that you paid me for also. And so I wanted to give them the maximum value. A lot of people would say, you got to pick one or the other or how much more are you going to pay me? But I know that just doing these things and doing the right thing and looking for ways to exceed and surprise people and su exceed their expectations, that is going to give us a great reputation. And that's going to lead to other people trusting us, wanting to hire us. So you just got to go outside the boundaries and give your employees the, the bandwidth to go ahead and say, you know what, start making decisions to, make, to break the rules. Our rule in our company is we don't do free speeches, but in this case, it made sense to go ahead and do that. So you just got to, what is it you're going to do to dazzle your customers? And it's, you're not going to dazzle them by doing what they expect you to do. It's going to be all these other little things, these little details. It's going to make it different and they're going to make you memorable. No, love it. Absolutely. Okay. It, yeah, hit the nail on the head. The head up customer success at Think Cloud, and I often put myself in the customer's shoes. Sometimes a bit too often, and we have a bit of conflict about that between myself, Scott, and Leon. But there's another business partner, and I'm in charge of sales and marketing, and I used to be a customer, so I understand what it's like to be on the other side of the fence. Yeah, our business partner Scott, he's very perfect, correct, and right. He's yeah, the detail guy, the two of us, and sometimes we can have that conflict. But what's really good in terms of the box that we put Dean in. Dean's in charge of customer success. And what me and Scott always say is back yourself. And it causes conflict. Yeah. But at times, Dean's natural position, sometimes he doesn't want to bring the conflict down. How would you say to him? He needs to bring that conflict, doesn't he? Yes. That's running a business. And we call it the three-legged stool. You have your, your customers, your clients, you have your employees, 
and you have your business results. And you're always prioritizing those against each other. Because a lot of companies will say, look, we can't do that for free. If we do that for free for everyone, we're not going to make enough money and we need to charge for that. So this is, it's about having conflict. And a concept I love to talk about is problems versus dilemmas. Problems have solutions. One plus one is two. Boom, simple, put it on the shelf. You're done. The thing is in life, as I talked earlier, being married, raising kids, running a business is a dilemma. There are no right answers. There's only the best answer. And there has to be conflict and there has to be open discussion. And I think it's fantastic to do that. And I think there should be more professional conflict in the workplace because people are always worried about, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to look like I'm a troublemaker. I want to make my boss happy. And sometimes the boss needs to have someone tell them, you know what, I think you're wrong and here's why. And your boss may not agree with you, but boy, knowing that you're going to get everyone's candid thoughts and thinking and you encourage that is a huge advantage in a company and too many leaders have egos and everyone is afraid to speak up. And that's where trouble happens because you don't hear the truth. You don't hear all the points of view. And so you need to really create an environment that you all can disagree and still be okay with it and keep moving forward together. Yeah. I think that's a yeah. great thing about culture in it and culture of a business. If Dean can bring forward conflict because he's challenging, and you can challenge up as well as challenge down. And I think that's great for a culture of a company and an organization, isn't it? Yeah, we have a good, we have good conflict, yeah. but we challenge each other positively yeah. for the greater the business. And it just goes to, to show what you just mentioned, then backs everything that we're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah. And I think interesting is a great story, Dan. Before we jump into the question of the game, I just wanted you to share what, I don't think I ever do it justice. I, I'm a huge believer in you need great people. And great people manage great process. And only once you've got them two things, can you bring technology in. So we're in the technology business and people will come to us, they want this piece of technology with these, these extra features and speeds and all this stuff. And it's not going to solve the problem if they, if they haven't got them first two sorted. And I think the way you eloquently said when we was over in Manchester around a process as simple as someone getting lost in the park, car park, would you educate us on that? Cause I thought it was just absolutely exceptional. Sure. Yeah, the way I was brought up at, during my time at Disney was, once again, put yourself in your customer's shoes, your client's shoes, and see the experience from their point of view. Find out what the friction points, find out what the negative experiences are, and turn those into your strengths, turn those into positives. And so the story we, we shared was, you know, when you go to the Magic Kingdom, there's 12,000 parking spaces. So it's a big parking lot. You can walk around there for the rest of your life and not find your car if you don't know where it is. And when people park their car and they get on the tram, we tell them four or five, six, seven times where they're parked, but they're not paying attention. They're so excited to go into the park and the kids are excited and they're running around misbehaving and the parents are getting ready for the day. And so they go into the park for the day. They spend their nine, 10, eight, 11, 12 hours. They come out at the end of the evening. And of course, there's that moment where, okay, which tram do we get on? Honey, where did you park the car? I didn't drive. You're the supposed to be. So no one wants to take responsibility. So when the guests come out at the end of the night, they're clicking their remote control, trying to find their car. They have no idea where it was. Mom and dad have no idea where they parked it. They don't even know what it looks like because it's a rental. But they approach a cast member or employee and say, hey, you know what? We have no idea where our car is. And the employee asks them, what time did you arrive? And whether they got a ticket at the auto plaza when they came in, or we can look at their magic band to see what time they went into the park, we can back off 10 minutes from that. And every row we park in the parking lot, we write the time down. So every 10, 15 minutes, we are going ahead and, and clicking at what time the row was finished so we can get them within a row of their car. 
And so the idea is don't, it may not be your fault that, that a guest or a client has a problem, but it's certainly your problem to solve. And if you're willing to take responsibility, a lot of companies just say, you should have been paying attention. We told you, you know what, if they don't remember then it's still your problem, they're there and you have an opportunity to ignore them, or you have an opportunity to create a moment where they're going to go talk about and say, can you believe at Disney? They even magically know where you parked your car because they put this process in place. Going ahead and anticipating problems and taking ownership and taking responsibility. When I ran some of the hotels at Disney and I took full responsibility when the airlines lost their luggage. I said, hey, I'm sorry they lost the luggage. We're going to get you to the store. We're going to get you some clothes so you can start your vacation tomorrow. And we'll keep calling the airlines until we find your luggage. So take responsibility. And so many people just like to pass off things and look like that's not our company. That's not what we do. But if you can tar- start taking that ownership, people will never leave you. They'll stay with you forever. They'll tell your friends about your service. And I think that's the big part of Disney as well, Dan, what you, what you alluded to. It's all about that word of mouth, that referral, that testimonial. And I think what I really took from the session previously, and I wanted you to sort of discuss as well, is Disney's not cheap. It's one of the most expensive places and products you can go to. And I think we've all got this cost of living crisis going on, and we're hearing about things going up in price. and there's a lot of disruption out there. How is it that Disney can continue to command that fee? What would you say to me on that? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's the idea is when you take care of people, they will pay a premium. As we said before, if I go ahead and call a company and want help with my IT services, I know you're going to give that to me. I'm, when I hire you, I assume I'm not going to get hacked. I assume you're going to give me what you said you're going to give me. But if I can go above and beyond and make that emotional connection and really show you how much I value you, people will pay a premium. There, it's it, You get into the emotional piece where people say, look, I don't know what this is worth, but I'll pay more for it because I can't get this experience anywhere else. And that's where businesses, you can turn your business from a commodity into a competitive differentiated business. And it's really fun when you can charge whatever you want because you, you give such a great service. And I've had that moment. I had a guest call me one time from the Wilderness Lodge. I was a general manager and he called my office, wanted to talk to me. So I got on the phone and he said, look, we come to the Wilderness Lodge every year and we're booking right now. And I called and it's really expensive. And I want to know if you can give me, give us a discount. And I said, look, I can't give you a discount, but I can make sure you're going to have a great vacation. We're going to take really good, great care of you. So look, I called Universal and they told me they'd give me a 30% discount on my room. And I paused for a second. I said, that sounds like a great deal. And he paused and said, but I don't want to go to Universal. I want to go to Disney and stay at the Wilderness Lodge. And I laughed and I said, I know. I said, it's hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to negotiate when you don't have another option, but I guarantee you're going to have a great stay. And I will personally make be responsible that you have a best vacation you've ever had. And he came, had a great time, paid the premium and went from there. We're always, a lot of businesses focus only on cost. How do I get the lowest price? And it's important to manage that. Obviously, you have to manage your business, but it's not a fun way to do it. And if you can start looking for more creative ways to bring value, once again, you can start doing things and people will pay that premium. To your point, guests don't have to go on vacation. They don't have to go to Disney, but somehow they continue to do that. And my, my wife and I, we'll, we're very thrifty. We're very careful how we spend our money. But boy, when it comes time to rent a house, like to go skiing, with our kids, we will, we don't care what the price is because we're buying an experience. And once again, it's, it, we're making our decision with our emotions rather than our intellect. 
And that's where you can really take advantage. Love it. Thank you. Love it. Right, let's dig into the question because we could talk to him for hours, couldn't we? And he's got to go. And I, I'm going to hit you with the first question. So what's one to three books that you've read that have greatly changed or influenced your life or your career? Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about this. There's um, anything by Don Clifton. He is the gentleman who started the Gallup organization. He's written books like Soar With Your Strengths. He's written a book called Strength Finders. Oh, Strength Finders. Yeah, that's the same series. So Don Clifton and Marcus Buckingham, they both have written books. So that the whole idea there is, do you know what your natural strengths are and do you capitalize on those every day? And they say there's 34 strengths. You take the assessment and you can figure out what the things you do really well. And if you can figure out how to do the things you do naturally well every day, work gets fun because you just are successful all the time. So that's a great book. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. I think that's that was like published 32 years ago now, but it is as, as uh, true as ever. Sharpening the blade, continually improving yourself, the concept of emotional bank accounts. You're always exchanging. I do something for you and then you do something for me and that's how you manage your employees. That's how you remain married. It's give and take. You're always giving and taking. And then the last one, that was just a great book for me was called A Movable Feast by Ernest Hemingway. And it's a very short book, but it was basically about his time living in Paris. And when I went there, I got that book and read it. And I was about the same age as he was when he was in Paris. And so we went think see all the history and all the places he went and the bars he went to and the when he was writing. And that's always a very emotional book for me because I was 22 years old, moving to another country for the first time. And uh, that was fun. So anything with Soar With Your Strength, Strength Finders, A Movable Feast, and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think those are three three great ones. Awesome. And just on that, one of the books that really changed my life, I don't really talk too much about it, was Gallup Strength Finders because people just get a little bit overwhelmed by it. We have a saying in our business, it's from from IT Nation where you was actually teaching us. It teaches about something called Habu, your highest and best use, which I take and link into Gallup Strength Finders. And when I joined this business with Dean and Scott, I focused and doubled down on my five highest strengths. And and, I, and every day doesn't feel like it, it's at work. Sometimes it does because I, I can't always be, we have a rule, 70% of the time we should be working towards our highest and best use. 30% of the time we've got to do that paperwork, that admin, we've got to you know, sure. fill it in, yeah. we've got to do them bits. But that's something really important. But just Talk to people about the, from someone who's led at such a huge and high successful level like yourself, what understanding yourself can do for you on that career path? Yeah, it does a few things. There's a, it helps you become more self-aware. And as I get older, I realize how important that is. Knowing yourself, how you see yourself and how others see you, there's a gap. And sometimes there's a huge gap and that can be problematic. As I'm getting older, I'm realizing how important self-awareness is. And that's what the Strength Finders or Myers-Briggs, any assessment can make you more self-aware and realize, okay, there's certain things I'm really good at and certain things I'm not as good at. And as I mentioned, American Idol, you can see the beginning episodes. People are like, I think I'm a great singer. And they're like, okay, you have very low self-awareness because you're not a And people, that's entertaining sometimes. But, and the other thing it does, it's once you figure out, it, it doesn't excuse you from not being able to solve problems because there may be things that aren't your strengths. You just can't say, I'm not good at that. I'm not, don't worry about it because you still have to be able to fill those gaps. So you put people around you that have different strengths than you do. 
and you realize that you're going to lean on them as a leader to fill certain things and you're going to do what you do well. And it's, it doesn't get down to really like into specific behaviors, but when I did strength finders, my top five were all really around relationships. So I had a working role. Every moment I spend doing administrative work, doing emails, doing anything by myself is non-value add time. To your point, it still has to get done. I still have to make the wheels turn to make the place work. But I would literally measure how many minutes I spent with people every week. Because when I spent time with people, I got better results. We had more motivation. The culture was better. And that was where I held myself accountable. If you're a strategic thinker, you need to make sure you're putting yourself in strategic thinking moments. If you're more of an influencer, you better be communicating a lot and spending time with people because that's where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. So once again, it's not, it's, I, you can't take it too literally and just say, well, there's only five things I do and the rest I can't do. It's shades of gray. But once you understand what those top things are, as you mentioned, that you're much more effective and you're much more successful and, but you got to let go of the stuff you're not as good at and start trusting others to fill those gaps. Because as a leader, we think just because we're in charge, we're supposed to be great at everything. That has nothing to do with it. As a leader, your job is not to do, it's make sure things get done. And egos get in the way of that and big on at times get a consensus. And at times you're not going to get a consensus and you have to pull out, I'm in charge card and make the decision, but you have to know when to play that card and when to let the group steer the decision. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. It's your next one, Tina. Okay. So question number two is from myself. So what is your feel good song or music that gets you focused or makes you happy? Yeah. So I got three areas. So in the morning when I get on and I'm doing work. Smooth jazz. Smooth jazz is my no words, just nice and nice background to get me started. I go to Starbucks and work because I like that ambient noise to get my work done. In the evening, when Valor and I sit down, open a beer, we put reggae on and just a nice vibe. And then anything 80s. I stopped listening to music in 1989, and I'm not interested in any new music. I just like the 80s music because it takes me back to when I was growing up and I'm kind of like to go back to that. It, it once again, it taps into those emotions when you hear songs from those times in your life. To totally agree. Great answer. I'm 53, so 80s was my era. Um, We're the same age. Me too. There you go. And the thing though, I was just listening. You might not have heard them. I'll, I'll be all side of the pond, but have you heard of Deacon Blue? There were a bit. There was a big band over my side, weren't they? I was listening to Deacon Blue seven half past six in the morning. I was up this morning going to a networking event. Really yeah. didn't want to be there. I'm just powering that tune on and it just gets me right in the mood i'm singing i'm dancing i'm yes. off i think music's really emotive for me personally it's you yeah, guys yeah. on the road but is, is it played a big part in your life in terms of helping you manage stress or anything like that you want to add? absolutely i am a huge fan of music i have no music ability i don't play an instrument and i'm a terrible singer i'm told but boy i love music and it's just it really does motivate me and I ski with music. I know you're not supposed to. I run with music and uh, you, you pick your, you pick the songs, slow songs, fast songs, but I think it brings back a lot of those memories and it gets you in that, that sort of emotional situation where if you need energy or you need to be more creative, I think it's a great thing to have. And like I said, everyone works in different environments. I'm always a big fan of ambient noise. I like having people walking around and it just puts me in a better way. So I think everyone has to figure out what is the best time of day and what's the best environment where you get your best work done and figure that out. I'm, I can get the deep thinking work done in the morning and by noon or one o'clock, I'm done. I, no more deep thinking. I can get the repetitive tasks done, but I'm not going to do anything deeper than 
So I got to do all my strategic thinking in the morning because that's when I'm my best. It's the next one, Paul. Here we go. Right then, Dan. We have to go. To, we have to convert. Is it? Yeah, to dollars. It's about the same. Yeah. It's yeah, same I, now. I think it is now. We'll give him ten dollars more. Six, so we'll give him sixty dollars. Okay then. So Dan, <laughs> what pet sixty dollars or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months? This was a great question. My wife and I, Valerie and I, we sold our house in Orlando two years ago. We got rid of 60 to 70% of our worldly goods. We got rid of our wedding china. We got rid of, just just stuff we didn't need anymore. And it was a freeing experience. It was a little traumatic for me because I'm a, I'm an undercover hoarder. I don't want to get rid of everything, anything. So I told Valerie, look, get rid of it. Just don't let me see it. So she would remove stuff and I don't even miss it anymore. So the things we are very now, I'm, we only spend three months at home a year. So we're living out of suitcases. So we're. There's a lot of stuff we don't need anymore. I just need my basic things. But what I have discovered, I did this at Disney and I do it now when I have an opportunity. When I was at Disney, I used to go down to the cafeteria. I'd buy lunch and I'd buy lunch for the person in front of me. And just, just as and they said, why are you doing that? Because it, we're all supposed to be helping each other out. And you do something later today for someone and you pay that forward. And I see opportunities today. When I'm in a 7-Eleven getting some gas and there's a couple of construction guys in front of me and they're getting Diet Cokes or they're getting a sandwich. Every once in a while during the holidays, you can see people at Walmart and they're going through their purse and getting dollars and they're getting their change out to pay. And I love just tapping them on the shoulder and say, hey, I got it. And you just tell the cashier, put it on my bill. And boy, you walk out of there just feeling, feeling great that you had an opportunity. And it's not like charity. I don't feel sorry for them. But I can tell that money is a big issue and it's, that just doesn't happen in life. People just don't step up and take care of those spontaneous moments. And at the end of the day, they don't know my name. I don't know them. I'm never going to see them again, but I just want to know that I did something, create a little magic. And so that's how I spend that. I think those are the 50 pound that kind of makes the biggest difference for me every once in a while. That's great. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, I think down there, and I picked this up and I'm picking it up again now, and I'm sure you guys are, is. Life is about relationships, isn't it? It's all about relationships and connections. And sometimes we get so transfixed on that dollar. It's like you jumping on this podcast with us today. It just came from me putting a little comment on LinkedIn. I was going to be running late, connecting with Dan when we were in a room. I'm doing my, my mad mind maps. And we just had a conversation, right? And it's just sometimes reaching out and it makes no commercial sense for Dan to jump on with us and vice versa. But you never know where it goes. And we have a great chat. We learn something. and it's. Priceless. What value would you put on speaking and teaching and helping other human beings? You can't, can you, Dan? No, that's right. I think it's karma. You have to do things for people without any expectation. But if you keep giving, it all comes back to you eventually. And I'll tell you, Leon, you were memorable. You showed up, you'd just gotten back from the Coldplay concert, and then you showed us this big mind map you did. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And I've showed, you know, I can't tell you how many people I've showed that to, saying, <laughs> they say, what's your workshop about? I'll show you on one page. They're like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So I remembered you very well. No, I appreciate that. Let's, let's hit with the next one. It's me and it. Do you have a lesson from a failure of yours? Yes, every day. The things we're not good at keep coming back again and again. And my ha mine has been getting distracted. When I was used to work, it was getting distracted, not being with people in the moment. And I've interacted with leaders and I've had role models during my career when I'm with them, you're the only person, you're just like the only person in the world. And the feeling of that is incredible. And I've tried to emulate that. 
and I'm, I continue to do it. And every time Valor and I get into a uh, disagreement, I'll call it, it's because I'm not paying attention. I'm distracted. I'm not in the moment. I'm pulling my phone out. I just, so that it's, uh, it's a regular failure of mine. And I continue to try to become more self-aware and just saying I'm trying is not an excuse. It keeps going. But um, when it comes down, did I make bad decisions? Have I had events where I didn't go? Hey, I've had plenty of those. But in my mind, this, this, these moments of having these failures, and it happens regularly, and I'm getting better as the years go on. But uh, when you don't pay attention to people, you get distracted, it, you're not respecting them. I think it's just something that I know, and it's on my list, and I'm trying to do better. Yeah. What would you, what would you say, Linda, Dave? Uh, it sounds like me, to be fair. I'm exactly the same at home. But the main thing is I'm aware of it, and I'm working on it. That's what I'm trying. But yeah, I get told off all the time. I'm, sometimes I'm not caught up in the moment that I should be spending time and conversations with my wife and children and responding to a ping on my phone when I don't need to be. And I think the hard thing though, and again, same for you, Dan, you're doing these massive organizations. Dean's in a real difficult spot because we've got companies, cyber attacks are way up. We've got people getting hacked, the best of data getting leaked. They're on the phone to Dean because he's, he's managing the whole team. So it, it's difficult to manage that, but you've got to take time for yourself and you've got to delegate effectively, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you have to, first of all, you have to delegate because you can't get everything done yourself, but you have to decide whoever you're going to be with, be there with them when you're with them. And then if you need time to on your own, just go find an office, close the door, but don't make them a victim of you just not paying attention because it really is, it has a lot bigger negative impact, I think, than we know. Absolutely, Absolutely. love that. Me, is it me next? No, it's not me next. Steve, Steve, Steve. Uh, I'll uh, jump in with the next You've one. You've only got one job, Paul. <laughs> he goes this time now and again he, he just forgets where he is he forgets his name we, have to, we just spin him around a little bit and he's back in. we're both getting older we forget that sometimes <laughs> cheers Dan glad I've got one on my side I'll jump in the next one what is your favourite quote or saying that if you could share with everyone in the world what is it and why yeah so this one came from my grandfather my grandfather grew up he was born in Arkansas he grew up he went to Naval, he graduated in 1942, being the, the ship, and in three years instead of four, had to go to war. And he was on Columbia during the World War II. Uh, he ended up retiring as a, uh, an admiral in the Navy. He was a naval architect, just an incredible guy. And he he's left me a quote. I still have a handwritten quote and framed quote of his at home that I refer to often. I look at all the time. And it's very simple. You do your best, then forgive yourself. And I think about that all the time. Do your best and forgive yourself and you do your best. And sometimes your best is you fall short and you have really bad failures. You just can't get there, but you try every single day to do the best you can. And then you forgive yourself for any shortcomings you had. You can't go back in time. You can take a, get some sleep, get some food, a nice hot shower and come back the next day and try again. And that is, has been something I've gone over and over again. So we like to go back and relive the mistakes we made, but it's not healthy. It doesn't do it. All that counts is, are you going to change moving forward? Are you going to make a change, do something differently? And if you can do that, then you'll, life will get better. So do your best and forgive yourself. You love that. You love that. That's the, it's my, my you, question. Is, now. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Thank you. <laughs> right, Dan, in the last five years, what new habit or belief has had the most profound effect on your life? So... I think what I have concluded is, and I've known this for a long time, more than five years, but your current routines, the way you live your life will create your future. 
So it's not about that big meeting you have. It's not, it's about how do you carry yourself every single day? I'm a big believer you create your own luck. When you're sitting next to someone on a plane, do you have a conversation or not? That may be your spouse in the future. That may be a big business contact. They may change your life path. And I look back at all these random moments I've had where I've been paying attention, I've leaned in, and these have created these moments for me. The only reason I'm in Brazil right now was because six years ago, when my wife's cousin and her husband called us and said, we want to move to the U.S. for a year and learn English and maybe start a business, and can we live with you? And we said yes. I met a few of his classmates who he's studying English with. One of them was Luis. Luis called me a year after I left Disney, said, hey, I know someone here who wants you to come do a speech. And now Valor and I have spent two months in Brazil this year doing work down here. But just because six years ago, we said yes to having her cousins live with us. So I'm just a big fan of this idea of this habit of belief. Just keep saying yes, find a way to do things, find a way to help people, find a way to have these experiences. And a lot of times the success you have is all the things that are right next to you and you just don't see them because you're so focused on what you think the goal should be. So open your mind up. And, and that's what I found is all the opportunities we've gotten have not been because of the things we planned. It's because of the, th with the things we responded to that we didn't plan. And those end up being even better. Love that. In incre incredible. Yeah, I love that. You love that, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you just said it. An amazing way, though, Dan, to experience life is that. And I think on that, though, to help someone around that, that, doing what you're doing there is some people are just not not brave enough to be as open to that. Because as humans, I believe fundamentally we're all scared. That's why we've survived so much. And, sure. And evolved. But knowing what you know now, what advice would you give you to yourself at 18? And what advice would you ignore to get you to the place where you're at now? What would you do? Yeah, I've gotten this question before, and I, th I think it's an unfair question because we can't go back. You make decisions in life, you have some regrets, and you have some things you did, and it's hard to know what your path would have been if you decided differently because you make a decision and then it's the butterfly effect. Five, five years later, 80 things have happened that put you in a whole different place. So I, I think the thing I've taken, I was just big on what I support. And what I also ignored is getting diverse experiences. I really tried to maximize that during my career. That's why I had 19 different jobs at Disney. I just wanted to keep learning. I didn't know where my destination was, but I knew if I could learn more, I would have more options. And it, that played out because now Valor and I get to go work around the world and we've learned a lot. And I didn't stay in one job for 26 years and we have a lot to offer. And I decided to go to France. And so I learned to speak the language. Today, I was meeting with the mayor here and the lady I was with, she speaks French. And so basically we spoke French to do the translation said English. And I'm like, thank goodness I lived in France. And yeah. again, you just don't know where these, all these connections are going to happen. So I would just say, and I agree with you, Leon, we have survived because we don't go into that cave or we don't, we're always, we're on our toes because that's how we survive. But I think the world today, there's just so much to learn. And if you can open up your mind and just take advantage of all the points of view, the more I travel, the more I realize how much I don't know. And I, we traveled a lot when I was working at Disney, although not as much as now because you only had a few weeks of vacation and we take advantage of that. But a lot of people used to ask me, you should get more focused. You should have more of a career plan. 
you should, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I used to joke, I don't know. Maybe I'll never grow up and I'll just keep trying new things. So I definitely ignored that and just said, look, I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage of the moment I'm in right now. I'm going to keep learning and the, the path will reveal itself as my life goes on. We're never that, Dan, we're never this quiet on a podcast. You're stunning as well. We just, we just, <laughs> we need our notebooks out, don't we? It's one of them, it's one of them podcasts. And I think we've done the podcast for a couple of years now. And it's one of them podcasts that I will actually be tuning in and what, listening again, because yeah. there's that much to take home. So credit yeah. to you, Dan, because yeah. I don't like yeah. your own voice, but I, I, You'll I'll, put up with it. I'll put up with my voice to listen to Dan's, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, keep bringing it. We're, uh, we're bringing up new leaders in the organization here, so I think there's bits of gold in, gold in here that we can slip out and use. Yeah, and I think what's interesting, Dan, is I used to play rugby, like I say, Paul was my coach, and it's really interesting. Now we lead a suicide prevention charity, and we'll touch on this really briefly because a lot of our listeners already know, but Paul, you were suicidal yourself, weren't you? And we set up this charity and this club to actually help Paul. But we, back then, we never had the tools or the vocabulary. I didn't know how to help Paul. And a lot of us, but we set up this organization. And I had goosebumps last week. I'm training 700 people in this amazing organization. Paul's now working within that organization. But I think back then, Paul used to teach me when we played rugby. He used to tell me that I was a brick in a wall and has got a place. And it's, I always think life's amazing where he was a leader I've always looked up to and aspired. And in his time of need, I didn't fix him, but a group of people helped hold a mirror up so he could fix himself. And mm. this is, I get really enjoyed in terms of leadership and working with Dean because I'm very much of, we all need to solve this. But sometimes my challenge where I can be maybe a little bit immature in my own leadership is I have no patience. I think we can all just get it. So what advice would you give to any sort of aspiring leaders? Dean's an awesome leader in terms of backing themselves and getting, putting some rocket fuel in, the, in, in that leadership engine. Yeah, so the whole first part of my book, I wrote a book that got published in August 2020 called How's the Culture in Your Kingdom? And it's in four sections. And the whole first section of the book is on leading yourself. And the publisher asked and said, you know what? This is a management leadership book. You should probably put that section at the back because it sounds like a self-help book and people aren't looking for that. And I said, look, Valor and I talked about it. I went back and said, no, we're keeping it at the beginning because that's what most people, that's what many people do. They put all the chapters on taking care of themselves at the back of their own book and they put that off and they don't deal, they don't deal with things. They ignore things that are bothering them, especially men. We just bury stuff and didn't have a massive heart attack eventually. It's like, you got to get the stuff out. I applaud you all for having this conversation and talking about these things and trying to look at your emotions and how you're thinking about things. So your physical health, your mental health getting organized, doing whatever you can do to take stress out of your life. Life is already stressful enough without you getting enough sleep, without you not eating right. And all this takes discipline, just working out, finding time to do it. I work out a lot. I, I get up in the morning. I'm like, the last thing I want to do is go out and it's five degrees Celsius in Colorado and I'm supposed to go outside and run. I'm like, there's 50 things I'd rather do. It's okay. But do you really want to have a better life, more energy, feel better? And every time I go and get back, I'm like, thank goodness I did that. I, I feel so much better. So put routines in place, create routines that are going to be healthier. Go to bed earlier. I was joking the other night. I go to bed at nine o'clock and I get up at five, five thirty in the morning. I get eight half hours sleep. I'm up early. I get a bunch of stuff done, but something has to give. So where are you going to sacrifice? You can't do it all. But I think if the main things for me is if you can take care of your physical body, 
If you can learn how to talk about issues, meditate, whatever it takes for you to deal with the things on your mind. And then lastly, get organized. We just, there's so much coming at us. You just got to have, get your life under control and just get some organizational skills. If you can do that, you'll take a bunch of stress out of your life. You're still going to have moments. You're going to have that 30% of the time when things are a little out of control, but you'll be in a much better place. Love it. Love it. And it's season straight off the next one, doesn't it? It does, yeah. You've just touched on that anyway, but at times we all feel bent out, unfocused, unenergized and overwhelmed. What do you do yourself to help? Yeah. Yeah. I, I get up early. And I'll have a couple cups of coffee. And I know people say, don't jump on your electronics, but I get right in there and I just respond to every email that from yesterday, anything I need to respond to, I want to be known as someone who's responsive. So I get on and I just knock out the one, those really quickly. So people are like, wow, Dan got back to me within 24 hours. I want to hire this guy. Then I go, I do my run or workout, or I'm going to go do some push-ups, whatever that looks like. I don't belong to a gym. We travel so much now. We got to be, we got to find, we got to use what you got around you. So I've gotten really good at doing workouts with any equipment because there's places there's no equipment. So it's like, all right, let's go run around. Let's do whatever. Learning how to, one of my trainers, uh, uh, I used to go to a trainer and he always said, his quote was always, Dan, you know what the best kind of sandwich is? No, what is it? It's half a sandwich. So you know, just, I learned this from a guy. When I go to restaurants now, I'll sandwich or order lunch. I'll say, hey, put that half of that lunch in a box and just give me the other half and I'll eat what's on the plate. Usually we eat what's on the plate. So if you put less, then you're just going to eat less. You may be a little hungry at the end, but it's much easier. and You don't have to worry about your willpower. So just put some discipline, eat better, exercise. It's just, these are very simple things, but I think people forget that humans are supposed to get exercise. And the way technology has gone now, we don't have to do all the things we used to do. We don't have to roll the window up and down. We don't have to walk places. And humans aren't not meant to not move. So you got to get moving. So simple. So, so, so right. To the next one. Right, Dan. Who in the world would you like to interview, past, present, and why? Gosh. So I will put, I'll give you a couple. I'd like to give you like a really deep answer, like Abraham Lincoln or something. But I'm going to give you a couple of really true answers. One is I had an incredible opportunity just a few days ago to interview a guy. And in two weeks, he's going to be on, we're putting his podcast out. He was the Secret Service agent that was the one who jumped on the back of the limousine when JFK was assassinated and threw himself on top of Jackie Kennedy. His name is Clint Hill, and he was her Secret Service agent. And I was able to get him and his wife on a podcast and talk to him about his wife with Jackie Kennedy and talk to him about the day the assassination happened. So that oh, was just incredible. Wow. He's 92 years old and just, it was just, un because you see the the film and you always see that guy when Jackie Kennedy reaches back out of that and jumps in and that was him. So anyway, that was really cool. Okay. The other one I'm working hard on Valerie and I, and next week we're flying down to Australia to do work down there, do some workshops. And I'm, I have a bunch of events. So we're going to be there for a month. We chose to spend Christmas and new year's two weeks in New Zealand and just get off the grid. Cause we're going to be three hours from New Zealand. I'm like, we should take advantage of this. Cause we're, we may not be able to, I hope we go again, but so, my, my man crush is Dan Carter, and I follow him on Instagram. And if I can connect with him and interview him on a podcast, I would love to talk to Dan Carter because he just seems like a great leader. He's been, a lot of Americans don't know who he is, but he's just, he's bigger than life in New Zealand. So maybe we can connect. What a guy and what he's been through and come back from. That yeah. would be an amazing podcast. Exactly. So we'll see. I'll let you know. 
No, that'd be incredible. Yeah. Who's next? Is it me? Is it? Back to you. Back to me, isn't it? We're nearly there. Nearly at the end. We got us through the hour, nearly. Is there anything we should have asked you, but we didn't? You all had some great questions. So this was this was great for me to have to think a little bit getting in, in front of this. I, I don't know if there's a question you didn't ask, but what I've, big thing I learned and I continue to learn, having worked in the same company for 26 years, I don't think anyone's going to do that again. My kids, our kids are in their 20s. They've already worked for two, two or three companies and that's going to be the way things are. But if you're not doing something that you don't love doing at least 51% of the time, get the heck out and go pull the plug and go do something else. And I've done some reading lately about how people weigh risk and decisions. And it seems like the status quo is such a strong pull. It's so much easier to not make a decision because going and doing something different is always seems like the bigger risk. But the incredible thing is when people are forced to take that decision, like COVID, I know so many people are in COVID, their whole life got disrupted. Post-COVID, they're like, that's the best thing that could have happened to me. I never would have gone and tried something new if COVID hadn't hit. So you see the silver lining. So just take a step back and don't get too caught up. And there, there's so many, the world is such a big place. There's so many possibilities. You can always learn something new. You can always get better at what you're doing. And everyone will say, well, yeah, it's for easy for you to say, Dan, but I got two kids and I have a, my wife, my husband and I, my wife and I have two jobs. We don't have the flexibility. It's, you may not have that kind of flexibility you'll have later in your life, but you could always make a change or you can walk around just being a victim and going, this is my life and there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing worse than that. So go ahead and take some chances, go try new things and you're going to open some new doors and we're creatures of habit and you got to be careful. Those habits can build up and decades later, you look back saying, gosh, why didn't we do something different? If, why didn't we try something new? And so that's what I see in hindsight. So I just, every single day, I'm so glad Valerie insisted and said, look, Dan, 26 years at Disney, let's go do something else. I said, there's no way I can't do anything else. I don't know how to do anything else. And for four years, we've been figuring it out. And we have times we go pitch to clients at the end, they go, thanks for coming. We're not interested. They usually don't tell you in the meeting. And I'm like, man, we failed and we're never going to get a client again. And then the week after three people call us and they want to hire us. These ups and downs and just, just roll with the punches and go find new things to do all the time. There's all these solutions around you if you just look at the world differently. So that's a little more philosophical than I wanted to get. But as I get older, it seems more obvious to me. No, but I think you're hitting a point there. And I think what's really interesting, uh, moving from a massive corporate like Disney into the entrepreneurial world, like we're in, uh, I just like, think of rugby like business. I, and I used to just carry the ball forward. And I just love that opportunity because, and also being a small business, we've got to be hungry. We've got to be hungry because if we get too fat, we don't want to go out and hunt, do we? And, and we don't look for opportunities. So... I just think it's just an absolute awesome journey, running your own business, doing your own things. And I wanted to get you on the podcast, just share that insight again, because you're walking away from Disney and doing it on your own is such a huge thing to switch around. But we have, we have one final question, don't we, Dean? It's a, new yeah. question. it's a new question we're adding. We didn't send you this one. So I'm interested to see how you handle this one. Yes, yeah, so I'm just going to hit you with this last question. I asked this one before. So if you was running the show, what question would you ask the next guest? I would ask them... What are the biggest things you worry about your, in your life and what are you doing about it? I can. And if you can tackle that, you can get peace of mind and we all have something. And so I think that would be, you want to get a guest that's going to be ready to be a little vulnerable with you, but we all got something that we're not dealing with. If we could, we would really be in a much better place.
We're going to ask him yeah, that question. I'm going to ask him that. And again, yeah. we've been struggling a little bit with the signal. You've persevered, so thank you, like a rock star. But where can people find out more about what you do? Yeah, simple. You can go to cockerelconsulting.com, C-O-C-K-E-R-E-L, consulting.com. And Valor and I are on there. Our contact information, my cell phone number, email, all the stuff we do is there. And if you don't want to do that, you just Google Dan Cockerell and I'll pop up and you'll be able to find me. Yeah, incredible. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's been incredible. I can't thank you enough, and I'm sure. Yeah, it's anything. been fantastic. One of the best ones we've done. Yeah, I think it's been absolutely amazing, Dan. So thanks for your time. Thank you for volunteering to come on because it's been amazing. No, this is fun for me. And I'm hoping maybe I'll see you all in France in the fall during Rugby World Cup, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. you're going to Australia and New Zealand. You have to go see the NRL Rugby League. Make sure you take a note of that. It is incredible. Got it. It won't be a state of origin there, will they? No, but I flew to Australia to watch Rugby League and it Different was level. amazing, Dan. It's a cross yeah. between rugby union, ice hockey, lacrosse, boxing and, in one, yeah. game, one sport. <laughs> it's incredible. You would love that one. That's very cool. And Ultimate Fight Club too, <laughs> from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one, one last quick story. When I was at Boston University, my second year, we went on rugby tour to England and Wales. We had three matches. And the first one, we played a university just outside of London. I can't remember the name anymore. We lost 83 to three. Oh, wow. And we scored and we scored first. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that, that is, that's what we're famous for. But we've never, Americans aren't really great at teamwork. And so when we saw what 15 players on a field could do, Against a pretty good athletes, it didn't matter because we learned a lot about how a team of 15 can really make it happen. So that was a great learning for us. Yeah, a bit, a bit. Absolutely. Um, really, man, for your time today, you, you're a busy man. So thank you. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to release this in the new year, in the January, because we'll know it'll be a big show. But what we'll do is in the meantime, there'll be a blog coming out. We'll send it all over for proofs and stuff. Excellent. We'll get it shared everywhere. We'll make sure we get the right link. So thank you again. Great. Thank all right. Bye. Y'all keep in touch. Be safe. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. 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 Latent plug. Think differently about your business IT. Let's face it. It's impossible to grow a business without digital technology. Now more than ever, with everything going on in the world right now, businesses are struggling to manage, protect and work in the cloud. Transform your business IT with expert support from ThinkCloud. Learn how the most successful businesses in your sector consistently generate up to 20% higher revenues at 30% lower costs. You've come this far. You got this. Check out www.think-cloud.co.uk and book a call today.